is an RMK production. Welcome to One Queen, Two Kings, Episode 6. I'm your co-host, Marjorie Phoenix, and along with my other co-host, Ray Porch, and our Missing in Action co-host, Kevin McLemore, who we hope will show up eventually, we want to welcome you to another episode as part of our 100 Girls with Curls series, where we have been highlighting phenomenal women and girls around the country that are doing great work in their community. Our guest today is Dr. Natasha Hafkini. She is the president and founder of Melanin Scholars LLC and Melanin Scholars Con Una Voz Inc. nonprofit organization. She is the author of Through the Eyes of Successful Black Males and began her work with the extensive study of how our black and brown children learn since 2000. She graduated from Northwestern University with her doctorate degree in International Higher Education Administration. And she has been a teacher and administrator for 21 years in the Boston Public School System. Dr. Halfkenny has participated in the 10 Boys and Girls Initiative. The mission of this program is to guide melanin dominant students to their rite of passage by incorporating their knowledge of the power of presence. The mission is to also teach, motivate, and inspire young men and women into being leaders, persevere through, and do for themselves, their family, and their communities through healthy choices, critical thinking, academic excellence, and pursuit of social justice. Natasha has also worked with Young Kings and Queens after school program where her role as an instructional leader varied in responsibility. She counseled, she taught, she tutored members of the initiative and the program, and she facilitated restorative justice circles for social emotional support. Dr. Hafkenny is currently a member of the Massachusetts gubernatorial board public education nominating council, which ensures the best candidates for boards of trustees for higher education institutions. We welcome Dr. Halfkenny to One Queen, Two Kings. Thank you. <laughs> Such a pleasure to have you. Listen, with your impressive resume, you know, your work has spanned over a decade and it's clear that education is important at the forefront for you. But you have realized that along with education, there are some other you know, critical factors that are needed to ensure the success of our children as they transition out of the public school sy system and into some other type of system, whether it, it's higher learning or vocational studies um, that will continue to dictate to them what success actually looks like, right? So tell us about your journey in doing this work that brought you to the realization to create this space like Melanin Scholars. Um, so I'm originally not from Boston. I'm originally from Connecticut. Um, I grew up in a very small suburb, um, one high school. So everyone that went to various uh, elementary schools and middle schools, by ninth grade, everyone was in one high school. Um, and after leaving high school, I wanted to go to Northeastern. That was my first choice. 
And I had a guidance counselor who, and I know it sounds cliche, but who let me know that, yeah, you probably won't get in there. Um, you know, your grades aren't really that great. You know, meanwhile, I had like a 3.0, but they weren't that great. And, you know, Northeastern's a very competitive school. So maybe you should look into some community colleges. After telling my mom that, she was so upset. She said, you're going to apply anyway. And I applied and I got in and I realized like, wow, if she's telling me this, she could be telling other students this. And I went to Northeastern with very little guidance at Northeastern. You know, there was an African-American studies, um, the African-American Institute, it was called at Northeastern, the John D. O'Brien and all of the black and brown students hung in that one section of Northeastern. Now Northeastern is a huge school, it's 30,000 kids. And you can imagine all of the black and brown children were all in this one building. And it's because that's where we felt safe. That's where we got all our information as to scholarships or where to go when we need help or tutoring or anything that we needed. They had it in the most rundown building, I must say, at Northeastern. And I decided this is not how it should be. We should have more resources. We should have more people come to us and let us know what we should be doing. All of, there are so many other students there that had opportunities that we could have, you know, got into, but we didn't, we weren't aware. There was no one there to tell us. And so after graduating and getting my master's and deciding I wanted to teach little black and brown children that were like me, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna do something about it. I went for my doctorate and I studied, I researched how black and brown students are successful, particularly males. And at this time it was because I had two sons myself and I was so used to hearing what we can't do. Oh, little black brown boys, you know, girls are not good at math and boys, you know, they can't sit still. They need this, they need that. And I said, well, what about this, you know, person who owns this company or this doctor or this lawyer? How did they become successful? And nothing was written about them in the research. There was no research about black and brown successful males. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna do my research. If you wanna know why or how black and, and brown males are successful, you have to talk to the ones that are successful. They have the roadmap. They're not hiding anything. And so I did my research and, you know, and I, I wrote my dissertation and then I decided I'm gonna come up with Melanin Scholars. Melanin Scholars is an organization that understands success in every way for every black and brown child. So what we do is create a trajectory for a family, not just the student, but the family is involved in choosing how a child comes up. Now, a child may say from fourth grade, and as we know in fourth grade, their reading level drops. Maybe I don't, I don't like school. I don't, I don't wanna go to school. I don't wanna go to college. Why are, why are we demonizing children who don't wanna go to college? You don't wanna go to college, that's fine because there are other ways to make money, right? You could be a real estate broker. You could own a store. There are so many other things, but students only wanna do what they're exposed to. And so why are we exposing these students who are being taught in these institutions to be governed, not to be governors? 
Why, are we expo why aren't we exposing them? And so that's what Melanin Scholars does. We expose them to various types of careers, various types of studies, so that they get the exposure and can make an, an informed decision to what they want to do. That is fantastic. Thank you. Um, so, so that the, the baseline to your story and how you arrived where you are today in terms of your vision for, for us, I can safely say for folks like me, right? <laughs> I think that like, when I, so, so how do you see the disconnect in, our, in, our, in your work? So as an administrator, um, as a business owner, as a mom, like how do you see the, the disconnect or the transition from being in the know about what our young people need to, to you know, for folks who are not in the know? Tell us about your thoughts about how we do a better job, you know, having done research, how do we do a better job to create conditions where more programs, more thinking like yours can be brought to the forefront for our families. I know you work in education, you're an administrator. Like, what are you seeing, you know, in that work that, that, that we could correlate or, or, or pull or push or leverage um, to create, to open us up in our communities to see that this, this work that you're doing, this thinking that you had that led to this great opportunity, we need to have more of it. What are your thoughts about that? Um, just being an administrator and, you know, I'm an administrator in the city of Boston and predominantly black and brown students at the school that I'm in. And um, the teachers that teach there are not. And so one of the issues that's very frustrating is them not understanding the culture, right? And our culture you know, of, of many black and brown is a culture of family and a culture of helping, right? We, we're together, we do things together. Um, and so when you think about pulling things out that could help, one of the things that I'm really um, an advocate for is family involvement, family engagement, really getting families engaged with what their child is doing. You know, they, they make a joke in administration about, you know, if you want to get a family involved or a family to come up to the school, you know, throw a talent show or, you know, have food, right? So they know that much about our culture or, or as it seems, right? But that is their biggest investment. Every child that we have is their biggest investment. If everyone looked at that child like, hey, I have 28 possible presidents in my class, that changes your thinking, right? And so I feel like what brought me to this journey is really thinking that way. How do we get families involved so that we're making a family decision and guaranteeing success? If you look at other cultures, that's exactly what they do. They all are involved, you know, whether it's prearranged marriages to, to um, ensure success, or it's, you know, they're working for their father's company to ensure success, or they're buying property to make sure that their legacy moves on. Everyone does it. So why is it that black and brown are not doing that, right? And it's historical. So one of the things that I found in my research is really students need to know their history. And people who are not black and brown, they also need to know their history and not excuse the things that they've done that affected our history. And so once they learn that and learn their place in the world, I had one, uh, one of my research um, 
volunteers said to me, if they realized the God that they have inside of them, they wouldn't even try us. And so it's a matter of having them recognize that and see that and families see that so that we can push them forward together. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I, and when you talked about, you know, understanding that you wanted to have the whole family unit involved in this, and I said, you know, that that is so important, that's critical. So tell us uh, what that looks like to have the family involved in this, you know, in this process with the students. So um, once you sign up for Melanin Scholars, once you go on the website and you decide that you want to be a member, um, what will happen is one of us, from the organization will come out and um, you'll fill out a questionnaire as a family. And the questionnaire is very simple. You know, where did you grow up? What are your interests? And they'll fill it out together as a family. And really the part that becomes the student's onus is, what is it that interests you right now? Now, when you're in fourth grade, it may not be the same thing that interests you in ninth grade. This is why we're from sixth grade all the way up and through, because you may change your mind 50 times. And it's okay to change your mind 50 times. You have that right. But to know that someone's consistently there helping you through each change. You want to be a mechanic today? Great. Tomorrow you want to be a lawyer? Great. But we change with you. We change with you. So it's really important that the family understands that because a lot of the melanin scholars that um, will be coming through this program this year will be first generation. Right, and so that's also important. First generation melanin scholars that will be going to college, first, mel first generation melanin scholars that will have career choices. There are other choices for these students. And once families recognize that, it, it's a whole new ball game. I had a student say to me, um, I wanna be a CNA. And I said, that's great, you wanna be a CNA. I said, so I just wanna know, how come you don't wanna be a doctor? And she looked at me like, she said, well, my mom said I could be a CNA. I said, and you can, you could also be a doctor. And she could not believe it. She couldn't believe it. Like I can, mm -hmm. and guess what? It's only, you know, four more years of school. That's it. And then I could be a doctor. Yeah. They're like, wow. You know, I had another student when I said, you know, you have to start looking at HBCUs. What's an HBCU? Historically Black College and University. What do you mean? Only Black people go there? Majority. What? <laughs> so I can go to school with all Black people? Yes, you can. Where? Tell me. Show me. Show me. Go look it up on the computer. And that's where the resources come in, right? Oh, I don't have a computer. All right. Well, Melanin Scholars, we have donations. We're going we're gonna to get a computer to your family so that you all can use this computer and help yourself. Right, so it's just helping in certain ways that, you know, you don't think anybody's there to help you with, but we're here and we're trying to help. Wow, I, I just, that's incredible. And, and you were just recently, you know, a 100 Women of Color honoree. Congratulations, I think it was a week or so ago. Yes. That must have been an incredible honor. It was. It was. So, it was. So, so tell us as, as, as an honoree, and so we're so fortunate to have you on, 
What was that like? What was that experience like to be in that space with, with, the, other, with the other 99 um, and celebrate this work? And how did you, did you share your story? Did you have an opportunity to connect and collaborate with others? Tell us a little bit about that. It was really interesting. Um, 1128 Entertainment is a group that originated in Connecticut and I grew up with um, the president of that particular company. And what happens is every year they do research on different um, community organizations or, or they have a men of color and they have a women of color. And they're both two separate um, events, but uh, they do one every year for women of color. And it really is a nice event. It's, they recognize women who are really trying to get out there and do things for the community. So going to the event um, was great. I got to share my story because I was named valedictorian of 2021. Yay, I'm smart. <laughs> um, but uh, I was able to tell my story and it was amazing to see all of these sisters. They were you know, beauty salon owners, they were lawyers, there were architects, there were engineers, there were women who had their own companies. I made some connections with women who have college prep programs that they created themselves for black and brown. So it would be like a continuation, like melanin scholars will bring you here and then you can go on to my sister's <laughs> you know, organization and she's gonna bring you even further. Like it was just amazing to be in the presence of so much greatness. And it was really important for me. Usually it's just a, it's an event where there aren't children there. It's just you and your, your escort. Um, and I brought my sons because I thought it was important for them to see women doing things. Um, and, you know, every woman in there was just, it, there was no clicky, you know, when you get that teenage, like, oh, I don't like her. Or, Look what she has. It was none of that. It was adults really trying to do what's best for the community. So it was an amazing feeling. And I, I am so honored to be one of the 100. They, they are an amazing group of Listen, women. You, you've absolutely, uh, your resume shows it. Uh, and Marjorie, just quick follow-up. Um, I, 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 you know, I'd love for you to share just a little bit about, you know, you talk a lot about resilience and the importance of having resilience and, you know, the importance of recognizing the power and being reflective, you know, as you do this work. Um, tell us a little bit about the journey, you know, that like, you know, about your own journey. Like, so you, you did this PhD raising sons, right? And, and navigating that must not have been easy. I just think it's important for folks to know that like they, here they see this finished product in front of them, accomplished, award-winning, uh, you know, you know, share a little bit about that, you know, about that part of it. I mean, I, you know, one of the issues that I think a lot of us have is not recognizing our own, our own good, right? Um, our own, what we do in this world. And we don't, we don't recognize it as something big. And, and even now I see it as like, this is my service that I'm doing for my, my, my students, my kids. This is what I want to give back. But um, part of my journey, you know, when, when I first went to the first orientation for my PhD program, I got to the door and a white woman greeted me and she said, oh, I'm sorry, this is the doctoral um, orientation. What are you looking for? And I said, oh no, I'm in the right place. And she looked at me like, you know, what? 
And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in the right place. And I was one of two that were in that program. Yeah, and I sat up front, just probably to piss her off. And <laughs> I sat up front, um, but going through that program, it, it's not an easy, it's not an easy ride. You know, I went through it, I, raising two kids. I went through a divorce at the same time. I don't have any family in Boston. Um, and so it was, it was trying. It was a trying time for me, um, for, for my career, but I had to figure out who I wanted to be. And, you know, Ray, I've spoken to you several times about who, who we're going to be in this life. And, you know, for me, it's always, what is the story that my sons are going to tell? And when I think about that, it keeps me out of a lot of trouble, number one. But, <laughs> but number two, um, you know, I want it to be a story where they are proud, where they are proud. And I do all that I possibly can to help the generations. I want them to stand on my shoulders, just like I stood on someone else's. You know, every day I'm a learner. Every day I make mistakes. And every day I'm not a finished product at all. I, I wish at some point I could look at myself and be like, girl, you did it. Nope. Every day I look at myself and I'm like, all right, what else do we have to do? It's just a journey. And, you know, that's where happiness is. It's the journey. It's not the destination. It's definitely the journey. Well, girl, you doing it. For sharing. Yes, you are. Yes. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Marjorie. Yeah, no, no, you, you're doing it. I And I resonate so much with that because, you know, I, I started my college journey at the age of 42. So, and I was going through a really bad divorce. And, you know, and then I continued that and got my master's, but I always had in my mind, because I have two daughters, that they're watching me, right? They're watching how I am going through this. I'm gonna be that model for them. And it's not just them, but then now there are these other women, right? Who've gone through similar things. They're watching and they see how far, and if you can do it, they can do it. And, you know, so I love that. That's, that's what our journey is all about, right? So it, it's not just about us. It's those that are watching us as well. And like these young people that, you know, you're mentoring and you're being a role model for. And so now I'm starting to connect the dots when you talked about, you know, your sons, right? What are they seeing, what you're going through? And this book you wrote through the eyes of successful black males. Tell us about that. So that is, that is my dissertation. Uh, took me a long time. You know, I was, like I said, I was going through a divorce. I was selling a house. I was buying a house. I was raising two children. I was alone here in Boston. Um, and so I was going through a lot, but um, that the story of through the eyes of successful black males is really just a blueprint for black males who want to know how other black males have become successful. And through my findings, it is really knowing your history, having a good support system, making sure you know who you are. And interestingly enough, one of my, one of my uh, research volunteers said, knowing your black privilege. And I said, that's interesting because I know how I define black privilege. How do you define black pri privilege? And he said to me, I belong 
anywhere I go. And I carry myself like I do. And that is my black privilege that I can walk proud and say that I was not always a slave. My ancestors were not all slaves. I carry myself proud because I know my history. And you can't know where you're going if you don't know your history. And so by him knowing that and carrying himself in such a way that he was so proud. And he talked a lot about, and a lot of the gentlemen talked a lot about being part of some, some bigger thing, whether it was a fraternity or um, just a small group, how they identified was really, really important to them. Um, and just always keeping at the front end, you are a black man in America. People will always be threatened because they see your greatness. And it may not come off like that, but that is the truth. And so for my kings, they have to know it. Ray, Ray is my work king. Stirred up over here, you know what I'm saying? Got me all stirred up over here. Don't do it, don't do it. I've learned, I, I have to say, I have to say, I know this is about melanin scholars, but I have to say in my everyday life in talking with Ray, I have learned so much about how to exist in this world and how to exist in this world and be a support system for black males, but also how to be a strong leader and showing people how to do that. So through the eyes of black males, successful black males is really um, my legacy that I'm, I'm giving to my boys so that they know when I'm no longer here, I saw you and I saw it in you. Yes, I love, you know, it's so funny when you were talking, my, my mind went to Ray and I was gonna say, you know, they don't see a lot. There's not a lot of successful black men, but then I had to pull back and say, no, 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 there are, there are a lot of them. They just don't see them, right? And so it is our job, it's our responsibility to make sure they see them right so that they can see those role models like ray they see where he is now but this is why i say about his story you know and these other men that you highlighted you know they they came from somewhere where someone else is at right where there's a little black and brown boy where he's at right now and he doesn't know that he too can be there where they are you know so that's why these stories are so important absolutely i think you know, growing up with my, with my sons, every day growing up, I have told them, you are destined for greatness. And they never knew what it meant. And it wasn't until my son just graduated on Sunday from high school, and he's on his way to college, that he said, you're right, mom, I am destined for greatness. And for me, that was everything. That was my moment. That's all I ever wanted <laughs> was for him to see it for himself. And that's what I want Melanin Scholars to do for other students, to show them, our children, that they too are destined for greatness. I have no doubt. I have no doubt I've been fortunate enough, uh, you know, Marjorie, to meet, meet these young men and they are exceptional. Um, I just, it's terrific. And I, and I met their dad, um, who is a, a sergeant in the state police and, um, you know, her mom, yeah, just this fantastic support system. 
And so I, I have no doubt that they're destined for greatness. Um, and, and more, you know, the, the, the bigger thing is, is they, they're getting the modeling every single day. And um, I, I just, what really resonated with me as you shared was this idea uh, of, of us belonging. You know, I, I'm like a little moved by that because it is a, even as an adult, uh, who's done so many things and seen so many things, I too struggle with this, this idea and a sense of belonging. So it is a continuous journey. And so if I'm struggling with it um, and I'm on the journey, I can only imagine what it's like for some of our babies, you know, who are fourth grade, fifth grade, third grade. And um, you dance with them in the mornings every day. Yeah. And you, yeah. you, you start their morning with music and dance and you show them love and, and support. And... Um, you know, I, I can see your work and what you've talked about here and hearing about your dissertation and the book um, and, and, you know, your journey in and of itself. And you're, you're not only teaching and learning with young people, but you're also modeling it for them. It isn't just something that they can see and not touch. And so you represent that. And um, we, are, we are so fortunate. And I was, I was going to close with my, my part would close with this. We're, we're you know, our, our podcast is, is to, is, is, is two kings, one queen. Today is two queens, one king. And All right. We, 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 we switched it up today. But um, we, we are grateful to have had the opportunity to have you here and share with us and share yourself with us. We know your day is busy and full. you got a lot on your plate. Um, and we're just, we're very fortunate and grateful for you to be able to spend this time with us, we will be supporting Melanin Scholars, the work that you're doing. Thank you. Um, you know, this is going to be out there. We're going to have you back, um, you know, talk about enrollment, you know, have some stories from some of your parents about the impact. We want to do all those things to support and platform your work. Um, this is going to reach, reach, reach many. Um, and so, you know, you can consider us a part of that support network for you as well and for your young people that you serve. I appreciate that, you know. If you don't love them, you can't teach them. So please love our kids, love on them. That's right. They're only, they're only young for this long, I've noticed, so. Yeah, before you know it, they're adults and they're, yes. <laughs> so, um, so listen, we're, we're gonna wrap up now, but tell everybody how they can find your organization, social media platforms, all of us, like Ray said, we're going to be supporting your organization. We're going to highlight you um, for Storytime and Wine and definitely see if we can raise some funds and have some conversation around this topic of the pathway of success for our children and what that looks like. So we're going to be planning that Storytime and Wine and we'll make sure that Melanin Scholar will be the, the charity of choice um, for, that, uh, for that month. So how can everybody find you? Thank you. So um, you can go to www.melaninscholars.com. Um, you can email me at admin at melaninscholars.com. You could call us 888-820-36101. Um, we're available to you. So um, we're also on Instagram and our Facebook page is in construction right now. <laughs> Just Facebook. 
but um, definitely you can you can find us on Instagram at Melanin Scholars. Wonderful. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you. We we surely appreciate it. Appreciate your time and the work that you're doing in the community, most definitely. So, um, on behalf of myself and Ray and Kevin, thank you all for joining us for another episode of One Queen Two Kings One Hundred Girls with Curls series. Now go out and change the world. Bye-bye. Thank you.